you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with uh, Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Futures are split this morning. Dow is going to benefit from a solid open for Boeing and Microsoft, but Alphabet getting a little more scrutiny today on that slowdown in cloud. Of course, Meta and IBM tonight. Our roadmap begins with Alphabet's cloud conundrum. The company does top estimates, but weaker than expected cloud revenue is pressuring the stock. On the other hand, Microsoft is the top gainer on the S&P so far. It is getting a big boost from faster cloud growth and, of course, the rise of generative AI. Boeing shows a rallying, this despite a wider-than-expected loss in the third quarter. CEO Dave Calhoun, he's going to join us shortly. We'll be breaking down those results with him in just a few minutes. Let's, though, get to the tech giants in this battle over AI. Microsoft is rising in the pre-market, better-than-expected quarterly numbers. Azure and other cloud revenue up 29, but Alphabet, as David said, down sharply despite its own top and bottom line beat. Google Cloud sales coming in below consensus, Jim. Some discussion about customers optimizing their spend. Uh, I remember when I first got in the business, there would be grants on one side. That was actually a retailer, and the other side would be Target. And it always seemed to rain on grand sides. Never rained on the target side. That's what this felt like to me. <laughs> so there's optimization going on at Google. But David, they weren't optimizing at Microsoft. Right. And why is that? Probably because of their AI offerings. Don't you think? I think so. Do we should explain to people what, what we're talking about when we say sure. optimization. Yeah. Really, my understanding, and I want to make sure I understand right. it as well, is you know, you sign long-term contracts with your cloud provider. Google, for example, is providing you all sorts of services. They want to keep providing you more and more. You want to spend more. Companies right now may be a little less willing to spend more. And uh, Google or Amazon are happy to say, you know what, that three-year deal, why don't you just pay it over four years? And that optimizes the spend for the customer, but obviously has the result of not bringing the number or the growth numbers up as right. much as might have been anticipated. But to me, there had been some lingering uh, I've got to tell you some skepticism about the growth of Azure. You, if you were skeptical, you were wrong. Azure is the great juggernaut, perhaps, of this moment because they're the company, when you add the co-pilot, they're the first company other than NVIDIA, Carl, that's really crushing it when it comes to AI. And they're really giving you the uh, how it's used. And it's used to make you more productive. This is something that Jensen Wong and NVIDIA always said would happen. And by the way, Mark Benioff said would happen in Salesforce. We always feel that you'd be firing people. That's the opposite. It's There's more money being made so you can actually hire more people and do better. So it's a kind of a joyous story. Alphabet had no narrative. I mean, they're talking about Bard. David, I mean, you know, some of, some of the worst Shakespeare was demonstrated. You, they didn't brush up on their Shakespeare before if you want to kiss me, Kate. They don't want to start quoting him now. Um, no. Microsoft, you know, the, I mean, it's way too early to have any conclusions, but this idea that Microsoft, when it comes to generative AI, is going to own or at least have the lead with the corporate customer and corporate applications mm -hmm. is being cemented by this quarter. Whereas, to your point, 
Jim. I mean, listen, nobody has more information about their customers than Google. You use Google Maps and search, how much do they know about you? But right now, it's, you know, even though many expect they are going to have the lead and really own the consumer when it comes to generative AI, they aren't there yet. No, no, um, no. But they certainly have the data that you'd expect would help fuel a consumer product when they get to it. Well, you know, I, I, I myself was conf- convinced that this was going to be the, blake- the breakout quarter for Google Cloud Services because Thomas Curian's there. He's doing a great job. And I not only did not expect your optimization, I was thinking they were taking share. David, to me, this was a share take naked by Microsoft. And Carl, listen, the CapEx numbers for all these companies are just astounding. We've never seen anything like them. $40 billion a year being spent by Microsoft or Alphabet. And by the way, by Meta. I mean, it goes on, you know, and we'll get to that uh, in terms of read-throughs for either Meta or Amazon Web Services. Um, But the numbers are just staggering. But Microsoft is seen as being able to execute, whereas, you know, I had one one owner here of Alphabet say it's still kind of run like an academic institution. It's kind of nasty. That is nasty. Not sure it's fair. We went but nasty. I mean, there's this huge chunk of time devoted, uh, including, uh, uh, you know, I've got to tell you, a substantially negative moment about the NFL Sunday ticket. And I say negative because there's a moment where Michael Nathanson, who happens to be one of my favorites from modern days, asked, well, how's it doing? And they basically said the NFL likes it. Carl, if I pay you $2 billion, you're going to like exactly yeah, what I say. Yeah, I will, actually. Right? You yep, will. You'll will. be like, hey, you know what, Jim? I like that tie. <laughs> I approve. The $2 billion helps, but I approve. Uh, We'll get more to mega cap tech and, of course, what's coming up tonight later on. In the meantime, though, Boeing is moving higher in the pre-market. Wider than expected quarterly loss offset by a revenue beat and guidance. Phil LeBeau is at the company's headquarters this morning with a special guest. Morning, Phil. Morning, Carl. Dave Calhoun, CEO of Boeing. He mentioned the guidance. I think that's one reason the stock is up. You reaffirm your free cash flow guidance, both for this year and longer term. But I think a lot of people want to ask about the 737 MAX right off the bat. Yep. You're bringing down your delivery estimates again. What, what happened in the third quarter that you've said, we've got to, we can't deliver as many as we expected? Yeah. Well, Phil, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, we do feel good about where we finished the quarter. We alerted the market to a couple of non-conformances. Uh, one of our suppliers, uh, pretty much everybody knows what it is. I think there was some speculation as to how long it would take us to get our arms around it. The good news is we have our arms around it. We know the work that has to get done. We put it into, our, into the scope of our factories. And I think it'll be a little better than probably many had surmised. And we'll get back to our full rate by the time we get to the end of the year. October gets hit a little bit by the time we get to the year, though. We're going to be running at, at, at the rates people expect us to run. Let's talk yeah. about the elephant in the room. Yeah. I know you don't want to talk about another publicly traded company, but it's Spirit Aerosystems. You guys made a deal with them, pumping $100 million immediately into them for help with the retooling on the 737 MAX. You're going to be working more closely together with them. Yeah. But I have to tell you, when I bring up Spirit Aerosystems to people, the same thing I hear over and over is, these are the guys who can't shoot straight. They can't deliver the fuselages. It's been one problem after another. What gives you confidence that you're working more closely together with their new CEO, Pat Shanahan, and his team, that things will change and they will get their act together? Yeah, well, start by necessity. We are working very closely. Uh, We probably have well over 100 people in the factories um, supporting their teams. But I will be the first to say I love the appointment of Pat. Uh, Pat is an operator's operator. Pat knows exactly how this fuselage moves into the Boeing factories. He knows exactly what we see. 
so far, the reports from my team are he's on the floor literally every day. And that's, that's a great sign for all of us. So he'll incorporate everything that he knows we need. Um, a lot of confidence. Now, they have work to do. We get it. But I have a lot of confidence. And then structurally, the agreement that we moved on just gives them breathing room. They needed breathing room. We understand it. The economics were a win-win for us uh, in many respects. It definitely moves a little bit of cash their way in the early years, but it gives them the kind of breathing room they need to meet our rate requirements as we begin to move up this growth curve. Uh, Jim, I know you've got a question for Dave. Thank you, Phil. Dave, great to see you as always. Uh, Three things that I think are really good. One is that your defense business, it's time to talk about it because it's obviously indispensable. Uh, Second is 787. The orders are there. And then the third is, I guess you're almost out of 737s, and therefore the leverage will begin when you can uh, start building them again uh, to to suit. Yeah, Jim, thank you. It's, uh, of course, great to be with you. Uh, And by the way, I'm quite sorry about our Phillies. Um, But with respect to to those... uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that's, you talk about the elephant in the room. Um, that's like, you know, that's like yeah. Thumper. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's Bambi at this point. Well, so let me just comment on a couple of those things. You're right about the uh, defense business and the military. Uh, we are going to uh, continue to work our way through these fixed price contracts. We're not hiding from them. We'll complete them. That will reduce the sort of the financial weakness of the business. But on the flip side, on the demand side, in light of what's going on in the world, in light of the supply chain rebuild that has to occur. These stores have to get replaced and they have to grow. Um, the, the, the forecast for our weapons business, it's a $3 billion business, might not sound like a lot, but that forecast is getting more and more robust every day. And if we can get some help from the Congress and move some bills through, through we will ultimately, I realize those gains. So yes, uh, BDS is looking better. Uh, I do think the defense world in general has to has to commit to the rebuild, and I think we'll get support through, through Congress. And if I, if I could on the max, sure, uh, absolutely. if I could on the max, you're right to point it out. So our finished goods, uh, finished goods as in the matches that were on the tarmac when we finally certified um, at the end of uh, 2020, we are steadily working our way through the, the, that inventory. We will be complete if not totally complete, close to totally complete by the end of next year. The cost that that will take out of our business and then the reapplication of that skilled labor to the rate increases inside our factory, um, it's just an enormous step change for us. And it's one we're looking forward to. We make very steady progress against that one. It's a big deal. And yes, uh, customers can't get enough for the 787. All right. So uh, there's a kind of a spoof article, I would say, in September in the Wall Street Journal about where you work. Uh, I was part of the spoof, so to speak. If you're working away from home and you deliver these numbers, I actually don't care where you're from, but you're at headquarters. How are you feeling about working from home versus working there? Yeah, I, I want to make it very clear. I don't work from home. I work in our factories and I worked at our sites all around the world and throughout this country. That's what I do. And the signal that we sent in 2020 when we got started and I got started was everybody get out of headquarters and go to our factories, go visit our teams, listen to the ground troops. And that's really the message in all of that. So yes, we travel a lot. The Boeing CEO likes to fly. It's, it's, it's about that simple. Um, Dave, one of the questions that keeps coming up, whether it's today, whether it's yesterday with GE Raytheon, it's very clear the supply chain remains an issue. 
Is it time for us as investors, the investor community, to dial back expectation from manufacturers as we look out over the next couple of years? Because it's clear when you talk with Larry Culp at GE, look, they're not getting the, the level of production increase from their suppliers that they would like. And they're working with their suppliers, as are you. But is it time for investors to say, I know they say they're going to deliver X amount in 24 and 25. Do I have confidence in that? Yeah, so uh, I talk to Larry probably more frequently than pretty much any CEO in the aerospace world. Why? Because we are dependent on him. And what I do is I understand his rates, and then I make sure I don't build rates that are higher than his. So he's a constraint, and he's got constraints, but we are pretty well tailored. When I look at our forecast and the rate increases we have in mind, and I've said this many times, it is a supply-constrained set of rate increases. If it were just demand, these rates would go up double, and they'd probably go up tomorrow. So, yeah, we are constrained, but I think there's transparency between all the major players. I think for the most part, and I can tell you at the airplane level, we will not increase our rates at anything greater than what that supply constraint tells us. And that's, that's really the, the world we live in right now. I'm curious your thoughts as you watch the UAW strikes going on right now. You've got the machinist contract that comes up next fall. You know the labor environment that we're in. Um, are you confident that you can avoid a strike, especially out in Puget Sound? Well, I'm not going to sort of project uh, that moment in time. Uh, we love our workforce in the Puget Sound. Uh, we never had to go through the major retrenchments that automotive had to in their, the, the years they went through the bankrupt, bankruptcy cycles. Um, our workers have kept up pretty well, and I have told them, and I will continue to tell them, they will not lose a penny to inflation. That's not the way it works, not at Boeing. So I like our chances. We're going to work as closely as we can with them. We love the workforce. They do a phenomenal job. They're the ones that have carried us through the return of the max. They're the ones that carried us through that. So I have enormous respect, and hopefully we'll sit down constructively and get to a good answer. So but are you worried, given the environment? Well, I don't like what I see. Um, uh, only because everybody gets hurt. You know, I don't want, I don't want Mary and the GM team, I don't want them to lose competitiveness, and I don't want the workforce to lose jobs. But this is what happens, and um, so nothing really good comes of these moments. So it's, it's up to all of us to try to avoid them with everything we've got. Real quick, on defense funding, um, given what we see on Capitol Hill, the level of dysfunction, how worried are you that the message is not going to get through to all the lawmakers? The funding needs to happen. The defense funding needs to get in place because if it doesn't, the longer you wait, the more it puts a stress on the system. Yeah, and that stress is there. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think there will be uh, pretty widespread support for the bill that the president put forward ultimately to uh, replenish all these supply lines in behalf of these three major, three, three major efforts. Um, it needs to happen, period. Um, right now, uh, we can't replenish stores the extent that we need to, just as Jim asked that question. We can't do it uh, like it needs to be done because they can't put orders on us. So that has to get freed up somehow, some way, and I, I'm cautiously optimistic that it will. Dave Calhoun, yeah. CEO of Boeing, on a day where, yeah, wider than expected loss, but as you guys mentioned, the free cash flow guidance, that's crucial to the shares moving higher. Hey, Jim, by the way, he's got a Diamondbacks jersey over here he's going to put on it. <laughs> oh, gee, you know, enough. <laughs> I mean, I got a you. Harper number three underneath me. Do I bring it out? <laughs> hey, don't forget the birds play the Manders this weekend. Let's get that straight. Yeah, and a pretty good win over the weekend.
Yes. <laughs> Howie Roseman is my CEO of the year. Just, you know, general manager of the year. Did you call him the best general manager in the world this morning? Best CEO yeah. of the world. <laughs> uh, Phil, thanks. I appreciate it, Phil LeBeau. Speaking of defense spending, uh, let's get to the Middle East. Israel says it has conducted wide-scale strikes in Gaza against Hamas strongholds. NBC's Jay Gray is once again live in Tel Aviv. Good morning, Jay. Hey there, Carl. Good morning. And it looks like we continue to see the crumbling of humanitarian aid inside of Gaza. Today, the primary U.N. agency uh, supplying some of that aid support to the civilians trapped inside Gaza says uh, they will have to shut things down, that they can no longer operate because they are out of fuel, expect to run out today. Right now, they are providing shelter for 600,000 people displaced in Gaza in 150 different facilities. And again, they're going to have to shut those down, stop providing aid. The U.S. military uh, advisors within the military are really urging Israel to uh, avoid an all-out ground assault at this point, uh, telling them that they need to hold off to allow more aid to move in and to allow for some movement of hostages. Israel continues, as you talked about, the aerial assaults at a very intensified pace, and they continue to say that they will move in on their terms and on their time. But it does appear they are preparing for that ground assault. And we know that Israel now frustrated with the UN yesterday after the Secretary General called for a ceasefire and said, and I'm quoting here, there are clear violations of international law occurring in Gaza. They are now blocking visas for any UN officials that want to come into Israel. So there's a building frustration there as well. Let's talk a little bit about the hostages as we wrap things up here. Qatari still serving as an intermediary and says that the talks are continuing and they're continuing at a very rapid pace, accelerated pace. They uh, feel some confidence and say they are hopeful for a breakthrough and a release of a number of hostages very soon. Jay, as always, we appreciate it. Uh, oil below 84 today, reflecting some of the things you've been talking about. We'll, we'll talk soon, Jay Gray in yeah. Tel Aviv. Still to come, we'll stay on top of Microsoft, Alphabet, and other movers of the morning. We'll get, of course, to Hilton, Texan, Timo, Visa, Snap. Got some calls on Etsy, Gap, Verizon, and more when we return. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back. Time for a mad dash. We've got seven minutes before we get started with trading here at the New York Stock Exchange. Obviously, we'll continue to hit Microsoft, Alphabet, read-throughs from Meta, Amazon. We'll talk Snap. Apple did not report, but that's the subject of your mad dash. David, when I read this, I think less cowbell. That's what I think. Uh, There's a Deutsche Bank piece which is trimming iPhone estimates. 
Now, this is, why does this matter so much? Well, because people are worried that this phone is really going to be the denouement and the beginning, you know, the, the, that's it. There's no more growth. Now, I would point out they only have one week of, of, <laughs> of this iPhone in this quarter. But when you start cutting numbers, you get this $1.38, uh, people are looking for $1.39. One penny with this company is enough to bring the stock down. And right. I just think when I think about what could go wrong with this market, this is this is the most important stock in the market still. And I read this and I read the key back down great earlier and I just say, look, uh, and you it, read through from the uh, comments from T-Mobile. We're going to have Mike Sievert, okay. by the way, joining us later in Squawk on the Street. You know, he's saying, as he always does, positive things, but they haven't okay. had as many people switching. You Okay, so you uh, correctly anticipated what I was going to say. I said, the, this versus Mike Sievert. If you have T-Mobile saying, look, the demand is off the charts, we have a lot of people doing it, then I, you know, I'll just rip this up. But if Mike Sievert says there's not a lot of switching, I'll stitch it up. Okay, yeah, I mean... He's always a positive guy, so well, you're not, you're not going to get anybody saying, oh, it's bad. It's been a bad you transition. You Verizon yesterday. I but mean, it does feel as though it's been a bit more muted, the response to the 15. Fair uh, to say? If I can get one, I'd let you know. Okay. Oh, all right. Maybe not. Maybe not. All right. We got an opening bell. We got so many other stocks to talk about this morning. Stay with us. We're back after this. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive. AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Futures are mixed this morning as we wrap up these last few trading sessions of October, Jim. And as we look toward the end of the year, Goldman's got a note out today. 47 trading days left in the year. Uh, The desk does think that the setup is cleaner in November. And they argue that a year-end rally hasn't been canceled, but maybe delayed a touch. Well, look, I I think throughout this period, whether it be the Mideast or whether it be the the, uh, budget deficit, we forget what the Fed wanted to do. I mean, it used to be all you talk about was that can they get the price of housing down? Well, cancellations for housing have spiked. Can they get the cost of automobiles down? Well, used cars have come down dramatically. I now want to know where are they losing? They are now winning on almost every single inflation fund, except for we have not seen rents go down because housing is so expensive, people are staying. But I think they're winning. And I think that we have to recognize that if we had these numbers Two months ago, we would say, you know what, we're going to have we're going to have some uh, some cutting next year. Well, a big part of the constructive thesis last night was that the PMIs we look pretty good. Well, the industrial part of the country is. I mean, look, I was on the phone with Judy Marks from Otis. The profit margins are incredible. We have Packard. We saw a positive. The industrial is just flying. I I have to. I, I don't know a weak industrial. But then I look at the freight numbers, say, from Norfolk Southern. I like Norfolk Southern very much. I, I don't see much to like. Like Union Pacific, I don't see much to like. I come back, though, if, you want, if you're worried about the working person, you should be less worried about inflation than you are. Yeah. Uh, Roper today, up in guidance. Let's get the opening bell here and 
see how Brett fills in at the big board. It's Vestas, provider of uniforms and workplace supplies, celebrating the season spinoff from Aramark. At the NASDAQ, it's Spectair, an industrial technology company, celebrating its recent listing via SPAC. Let me just say, Carl, that Cintas, which is the nation's largest uniform company, I have them on. It's one of the greatest stops of the era because it's so strong. People keep wanting more uniforms and safety. So I want to watch this. I want to watch the spinoffs, not just because we're from Philly, but because this has been a tremendous thing. You know... What are you uh, here? No uh, evil. What is here? There's no evil here. We got. A, I think we need more cowbell. Look at this. Apple. It says that I'm. I'm in a loud environment. I have to go. I was just thinking, Haynes, Mark Haynes, probably would have brought in those those ear, you know, they, they wear them on the ramp at the airport, yes. that kind of thing. We yes. probably would have done that yes, we at have some point. We might need to do that, yeah. actually. Maybe we can get, yeah, like you know, an NFL broadcast or something like that. Okay, yeah. I'll work on that. All right, let's do that. I mean, I mean it'll I, be know, a good it's luck. It's funny, because I was focusing on um, Alphabet versus Microsoft, but I, I see your priorities. Dead Just because Please, the, the advertising side says to me, you want share take? I wish they didn't have a cloud because the advertising share take, David, I honestly think. Advertising on Alphabet was quite good, and there are those who want to read through on Alphabet to Meta potentially being positive, obviously. Meta the largest out there in terms of advertising. Um, to, to Jim's point, uh, YouTube, $8 billion in, in ad revs during the quarter. This gives you a sense of the size of that uh, of that unit of Alphabet. Remember, they do have a Sunday ticket now. That's helpful. Here's a look at Meta. Not benefiting from those ad numbers at Alphabet. Perhaps, guys, in part because of some comments on the Snap call. As you see, Alphabet shares down over 8%. You know, Snap during its call, and by the way, it looked like a pretty good number from, from Snap. Um, well, I mean, but they said uh, that... Since the onset of the war, they have had a number of primarily brand-oriented campaigns pause spending in the early period uh, after the onset of that war. And they've seen a number of the campaigns resume spending, and they don't see a huge impact to their daily run rate, but, um, but the impact to our daily run rate has reduced significantly as a result of that. So that may be pressuring Meta a little bit because of worries about the guidance right. that we're going to get from Meta, despite what were very strong ad numbers from Alphabet. Well, I would tell you that as someone who has, in you know, other business life, use, does Reels and Instagram, that you kind of just, that money's autopilot. You yeah. just spend it because it's the lifeblood of your business. So I'm not sure about the impact on Meta. I, I think Meta is a very good company. The one that I'm surprised to read through, Amazon Web Services. Amazon's doing quite well, advertising well, and I think people have just said, you know what, maybe I'm done with the mega caps. I mean, Microsoft was, as David mentioned earlier, the numbers are so big that when you read other companies, you just think, wow, Lilliputian, uh, the numbers are amazing. Yeah, I mean, B of A said, tough night to miss on cloud, uh, given that you were printing right alongside Microsoft. Yeah. We haven't seen a lot of downgrades of Alphabet, but Moness does say the tone of the call, Jim, was riddled with evasive commentary. Back in July, they announced a search for a new CFO. We believe it would be wise to bring in an executive who speaks the language of Wall Street. Oh, uh, man. I want and they do cut, they do cut to the They're talking about Ruth Porat. I want to get to that because on the call itself, there was a key question from Brian Nowak about cost. 
about expenses. And uh, the response from Ruth Porat, who is president but is still CFO right. as of now, um, it unsettled a couple of investors. I think later they may have called around and said, you know, but take a listen. This is the question she was asked. Um, you've spoke about durably re-engineering the cost base. I think in the past you've talked about how expenses could grow slower than revenue in 2024. Is that sort of still the high-level way to think about it, or is that potentially changing as investments continue? Remember, we're talking about a company spending as much as $40 billion on CapEx. This was the answer from Porat to that question. Take a listen. Overall, um, that's sort of a, a truism, as you know well, that uh, looking to, to grow revenues at a faster rate than expenses as we're focused on delivering sustainable financial value. Um, and so that really takes us to the work streams, which I tried to tick through again. Those remain the driver. They're the real priority. There are Those are the efforts that are going to enable us to keep expense growth um, as moderated as possible while supporting the investment growth that is, um, is so exciting in front of us, in particular um, around AI. All right. You know, Ruth Porat, a great executive, many would say. That, that was, was not one of her great moments there. No. That was not a great answer. And that unsettled some people because it wasn't clear. No, it wasn't. It, people want to hear you're going, revenue growth is going to outpace expense growth. That's what they want to hear, and they didn't hear that. Well, and then you're on the Microsoft call, and David, they have, the headcount there is down. The spend is down. And Amy Hood, who had been the, the person who took the stock down last time because she was talking about I mean, maybe too, having too much spend. David, they're cutting. And what do we always want? We want companies that are cutting expenses and growing revenues. This was a textbook call. I would be studying this. I, I, I would be studying this as a case study. Microsoft. Microsoft. Call. And yeah. how to be able to cut back and also have revenues ramp. It was, it, by comparison, I, mean, I just I felt bad for a reporter. I wish they reported another day. Um, because if you're up against the king. You, and, and Copilot, by the way, seems to already be I gotta used. I got to get it. Um, uh, you know, 350 bucks a year. What did they say? About a million, million subs so far. Um, it could be enormous. The, the, it could be enormous. I mean, 350 and you could potentially replace somebody. Well, but remember, it, you know? it makes you more productive. November know, 1, we can all get like, it. Right. So of every, but if, does it mean that you can replace out of a, you know, a certain percentage well, of the workforce can't, because can't. of the productivity enhancement from Copilot? I don't know. I don't know, but I think I can hire. You're going to save me all that money, and you're a progressive. I'm gonna, you for example, here's something you can do. Okay. Um, you have a Teams um, meeting. Right, you meet right. on you meet on Teams. It will summarize the whole meeting for you. You're not using it? No. David, have you ever put in? Uh, I was just do a quick summary. Uh, I, I, please I did, give me the ten most important points in the Microsoft conference call. Right, but this is your actual own Teams meeting. No, I'm just saying that this thing is, Carl. This thing is real, and I got to get this Copilot just to be able to be up. Get up. There's, every 25-year-old is going to be better than we are, and I'm not going to allow that happen. So they lose their job five years after that because they're not needed anymore. Well, you think we're worth a lot? I mean, don't you think no, that we're we're, gonna, we're we're history? But but we're at the end of our careers. Well, you and I are. He's a young man still. Well, it's true. I mean, but I do think that I was filled with positives about AI last night, not negatives. And by the way, the companies that they have, you know, I I come away from that conference call and I just said I. I remember when I first brought Microsoft into Goldman Sachs as a uh, IPO, uh, my friend Steve Ballmer, who was with me at, at school, and I remember thinking, you know, these guys, they could be a billion-dollar company. 
Well, it's you a, were right. It's a new leg of growth under Nadella. That you can't say enough about the leadership he's shown here. Their he, ability to good, execute man. at this point. I, mean, I don't strong. know if we had that since the Nadella took over kind of chart, but my guess is it would show something quite significant in terms of the appreciation of the stock. Yeah, he's truly uh, one of the most competitive velvet The guy's a velvet club. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. What about read-through from these quarters for Amazon? You mentioned it briefly. I'm positive. There is is a belief that Amazon's going to guide toward operating leverage, which is what everybody in Amazon wants. Do you think that'll happen? I think that Andy Jassy has closed a huge number of programs that Ruth Porter has not closed. These these tangential programs. Look, I like Jassy. And I think that Jassy wants to win unlike the team that he supports the Giants, which don't seem to be as inclined to win. And I just think that he is not going to let up. He is, he's going to listen 10 times to that Microsoft call, and he's going to say, we got more on our game. And that's what's going to happen. He's not going to lose. If and, he loses, by the way, I'm going to just and, pants And then, again, Meta coming very soon, earnings-wise. What about there? You know, I, OPEX, like a lot of the bulls want OPEX at $100 billion or less. Could it be more than $100 billion? CapEx, $40 billion. They well, will they ramp up again did, in meta spending hey, if, if, on he the said metaverse? It, if it's a year, you're talking about a year of living dangerously. He's talking about a year of efficiency. Well, Linda Hunt. Meta's still a 17 multiple. Like, would they, do, you know, maybe they get a 20 if they actually come in with I, a... Look, I just think that maybe we're at the twilight, get, get this, I'm going to say it, of TikTok, because when we do ads, Reels is better. Uh, were you unnerved by the uh, dozens of states uh, that filed that action yesterday against Meta about impact on kids? Uh, I thought about that. Obviously, I'm not going to dismiss when every state gangs up on a company. But uh, you take, it used to be if you take away their TikTok, people will be angry. You take away the reels. That's not the way you're going to win at the ballot box. It's that powerful. But look, I think people, you have to do ads to know who's good. I have the fortunate uh, ability to do ads and... If you want to reach people, I, I, you can do it through Google. I'd rather do it through Instagram and Reels. It's just a better, better experience. Uh, Jim Texan, this is a three-year uh, low. Well, look, if you're on the conference call, okay, I, I'm going to get my blood was spoiled on that conference call. Those guys, they work for the shareholders. They have total contempt for all the analysts. Uh, and when I listen, they ought to develop a little more humility because their industrial business is awful. The comms business is awful. Only auto was good. I know they spent a lot of money. I know we all have, we revere them for who they were. That the, the uh, uh, for who they were is probably the way I can say. Uh, inventories went the wrong direction. Oh, uh, it was such they a guide below. Uh, Recovery is not quite here yet. Revenue shy. That was the worst conference call for uh, for tech I've heard yet. Texan. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, by far actually. And then you got this conference call that was really interesting from ASML Holdings. Well, the Dutch, you know, this is a company that a lot of people feel is at the fulcrum of making making China uh, a force or not. And they had really good orders from China, uh, which I think is interesting because you're not supposed to have good orders from China if you're at this particular moment. Now, the stock was down. The stock was up 20 earlier today. Uh, but there are people ordering semiconductor capital equipment, and Texan is spending $5 billion. It's just that I, I just felt for them. Because, my God, they were asked repeatedly about why things aren't better, and they're just saying because they're not better. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like a Ruth Porat. Look, both Ruth Porat and Ted, they were very unsatisfied. How's the, uh, did you get the, I mean, how's the multi-screen there for uh, football? People like it. They do? People like it. They you like know, the multi-screen? When you go to Eddie Q, he says, MLS, stay tuned, as he said to us. Um, and then Messi comes. I mean, there's a guy who delivers the goods. True. And does it while he's wearing pink. 
very nice. That's Mike Schieber. Yes, he also wears pink. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jim, I wanted to I wanted to hit something we talked about in the past, very always almost positively, which is uh, Thermo Fisher. Oh, because Mark until about a couple of years ago, this was one of the greatest performing stocks over a long period of time. Uh, we we hit Danaher the other day. We mentioned how yeah, it sort of that's bringing Danaher down again look today. Look what happened here, Jim, and look what's been happening of late. Okay, um, so and Danaher's awful. I mean, what's uh, happening? They, I, let me point out they oh, have cut their outlook, and that is uh, obviously why the stock is down. Revised outlooks. A lot of this medtech stuff is. You need IPOs. This is the IPO. Danner's down again, by the way, as yeah. well. And I, look, we bought some Danner yesterday. I got clearly wrong to buy it that quickly. We bought very small. The reason we did, though, uh, and have bought this because it's a great company, is, is that if you ever see the IPO market come back, you want to buy Goldman, you want to buy Morgan Stanley, you want to buy Thermo Fisher, and you want to buy Danaher because we have a lot of biotechs being bought by the big guys, but no biotech IPOs. But in, until we get them, this is COVID hangover. I can't believe Danaher's a 186. I can't believe it. I can't believe Thermo Fisher's that Mark Casper's one of the great executives. This is a group that has been thrown away as if it's never going to come I back. know. But what, so what is going to turn it, though, Jim? I mean, it's clearly IPO. they're having a, a bit of a demand issue here, right? Well, right yes. Now? And they have an inventory destock because they, there's a lot of equipment that you would use if you're, let's say, making biosimilars. Right. And they don't, they don't have the orders. So, I mean, this is... Sometimes you buy a value stock that used to be a growth stock, and you think it's going to go back to be a growth stock. And Carl, I, I mortify myself and self-remonstrate when I tell the club, look, sometimes you have to just go with high quality and bet it's going to work because it always has. And right now, I mean, it's the, this is the nadir of that moment for this stock and for Disney, where it's just another stock where I'm just, just aghast at where it is. At Disney? Well, um, it's only down 5% for the year, but it's at $150 billion market value. But where was it? You know. It was a lot higher at one point, yes. You know that. I mean, the next order of business for Disney's probably going to be the negotiation with Comcast over the stake in Hulu that is going to be uh, the option that is going to be exercised by Disney to acquire that 33% of Hulu it doesn't already own. Um, expect that to be exercised soon. And by the way, my understanding of the process, and there's a lot of notes being written these days about value and but is that once Disney exercises the option, they will pay, they will pay the uh, floor price, $9 billion roughly, right away. So that, that gets paid. Comcast's going to have $9 billion, let's call it, the next month or so. Then you will have that appraisal period begin on the incremental value beyond $9 billion and what that may end up being. Yeah, Bernstein today says that number ends up being more like 12. Right, uh, so another $3 billion paid, yeah. perhaps. Everybody's coming in with their guesses. 15. The contract language, Comcast would tell you, is very favorable to them because it's not about assuming the real world. It's about assuming a world that doesn't exist, but for the purposes of the appraisal does, which is that everybody wants to own it, everybody bids as though it's for sale, and in perpetuity, Disney and Comcast are providing a programming, none of which is the case, but for the purposes of the appraisal, apparently Comcast says is, we'll see. But, uh, but that's going to be next for them, Jim. And then, obviously, we're still waiting on ESPN to well, see if they announce some sort of partnership, right, right. some sort of equity investments from, the, we, You should I don't point know. out, and I uh, am going back and forth with management, they have the balance sheet to be able to buy. They, they have the balance sheet to do Hulu. Right. So that they do. you take that off the table, which is one of the reasons why I think this could be a catalyst for literally both stocks. Do you think that's possible, that there could be two winners? It, it could be. It could be once it's at least dealt with. 
Um, I mean, I think it's seen only as a positive for our parent. I don't want to sound like I'm a homer here, but like you're, you're at least nine and maybe more. The question is then what you do with it. Well, the growth, the business help fund losses got some peacock. growth. I mean, when you look at Verizon, that I Sorry, Carl. <laughs> I like a little I like close to, shave there. It's, it's all right. Close, yeah, close. Yeah. Tomorrow I won't be here. <laughs> you're off tomorrow? No. I'll be here. Yeah, He's off. Yeah. You're Forever. Off. You're real off. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Jim, we haven't touched on Visa. Uh, the guide, uh, some argue, was a little underwhelming. Uh, they did have a pretty nice div hike. Good buyback. Not really modeling any kind of recession into their models. I love the quarter. Really? I mean, to me, I was looking at cross-border. That's all I care about. You got double-digit gains. Uh, you got Visa Direct. It's obviously taking share. I didn't expect that to happen. I think the stock could be up. Uh, this is a stock that goes higher uh, because it's the real fintech. I'm doing a piece tonight about who's phony and who's real. Well, you know, Visa's back. And I prefer to be in Visa than I would say, uh, David, I don't know how you feel about Square or Block or Rectangle or whatever that thing is, a rhombus. It's a rhombus. What about the double downgrade TransUnion? Uh, oh, well, that was. By the way, wait, Square is down about 7%. I know, that's why I mentioned it. Oh, anything we should know? Because I, I, I don't. I, well, look, a firm's down too. All the new f- fintechs are having a bit of a comeuppance. The TransUnion was uh, withdrawal of their guidance, uh, kind of a withdrawal, frankly, of their cranial power. It was really yeah, very nasty. Very tough. The, the, the target there gets slashed uh, from the 90s, I think, to the 50s or 40s. Second day it got hit. Yeah. Now, this is a company that does, you know, when you, when you do this kind of fintech that, you know, yeah. kind of helps you figure out whatever, and there's other guys are coming in, and Intuit's coming in. Intuit yeah. is, by the way, a really good company. You can't compete with Intuit. Anybody who tries to lose this. The U.S. government not going to be able to compete with them when they let people do their tax, they have a, their own automated tax filing thing. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about the U.S. government, have you looked at the balance sheets of uh, of Alphabet and, and uh, Microsoft? Uh, yeah, they're very good. They're a lot better than this this country that has like the five percent going to six. I'll take those nation states any day. It's kind of like Medici. It's like Medici. Microsoft you, uh, is Medici. Would you rather be a lender to the Twitter LBO than a holder <laughs> of? Uh, no. Well, no. Uh, I was on Twitter this morning praising Frank Holland for mentioning me and my my Celsius. Oh, that's right. My I Celsius, saw that. Yes. You know, kind of a, I don't know. It does make you talk. Maybe speak a little bit faster. It has your race sometime, Dave. <laughs> Celsius. It's got a lot of caffeine in it. Celsius. Yeah. It's five times. It's, it's even better than Dutch Bros. Than Dutch Bros. Yeah, which has the Annihilator, which has always been my favorite because it keeps you up for three days. Not that we can tell. No. <laughs> and, and if you have that in Sterno, well, that's a great combo. <laughs> Uh, we've uh, lost whatever pre-market open we were expecting here. Uh, S&P holding 4,200. Watch bonds today. We're actually going to hear from Powell this afternoon, Aww. although Fed's in a quiet period, so unlikely he'll say much of note. For now, the 10-year just south of 4.9. Be right back. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. I want to dive into some complexity here. We know that NVIDIA has been told, look, you can't sell these chips in China. We talked about yesterday, 30 day. What's interesting is where are those chips are going to go? Where's those cards? They're going to come here. And who are they going to be up against? They're going to be up against AMD and Intel, which are more powerful, which go uh, less height. NVIDIA. Can NVIDIA charge a little more? Yes. It's a negative for Intel. It's a negative for AMD. But people aren't realizing NVIDIA got the customers. And I surely feel after last night's Google, yes, even though they're not doing that well, but certainly Microsoft call. NVIDIA, if you can get it, if you can get a card, let me know. Yeah. 
Uh, Intel gets cut to 40 over at Ray J. And that's today. right, because, yeah. it, because NVIDIA's going to take whatever they have. Yeah. They're going to eat their lunch. All that spending. 40 billion from this one, 40 billion from that one, 40. I mean, a lot of it's going to these guys. Well, I got to tell you that they have the inventory. The Chinese, the, the Chinese. When you hear that, the, you know, China, they definitely need at one point. But when you hear about all those orders that are not going, everybody wants that property. Everybody wants their stuff. And you would gladly take their stuff over Intel's. Nice as Intel is, Jensen's nicer. So you'll have Meta to kick around tonight. What else? Yes. Okay, so we have waste management. I love a stock that's just plain old up. It's now called WM. I shouldn't call it waste management anymore. Uh, Mattel, I don't know. I mean, other than Birkenstock, who's the winner in that movie? (laughs) I love that movie, by the way. I thought it was a winner. And then, Brian DeBoer, we got to find out about used cars, which they've been plummeting in price. This shows really kind of a referendum on every single aspect of consumer and industrial. We're doing some cool stuff right now. I like that, yeah. Aren't we? And David Ruth Porat, she's still the best. She had an off night. Okay. I believe it. Alphabet. She's the best. Jim, we'll see you. Like <laughs> I know you do. For many, many years. Yes. Ever since she mortified me about Morgan Stanley's going to make it. <laughs> uh, Mad Money 6 p.m. When we come back, we will continue reaction to Microsoft and Alphabet. Also, T-Mobile's Mike Siebert, first on CNBC in a moment. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 